you seekers, explorers and renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Arkham Experience podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. Very much thanks to uh, the discoveries or advancements in uh, quantum physics, the ideas of uh, energy and auras and all of this fun stuff that uh, people work with and manipulate and uh, engage with is starting to come out of the shadows and into the uh, salons of science as it were. In most things I do I talk about energetic hygiene and how you maintain your energetic boundaries and so forth and anyone who's an energy sensitive will know exactly what I'm talking about and uh, this is a very important subject for anyone to be aware of. Subtle energy or auric energy, however you want to phrase it, is something that everyone uh, must experience on an individual basis. It's something that it's part of you that you get uh, familiar with. You know, it's your physical body you can see, your mental body you can't see, but you engage with it on a daily basis, so you, you know it's there. Same with the energetic body, but most, oh, I would say a lot of people are not necessarily that intimately familiar with it. So in this discussion, we are taking a scientific approach and then running it down the gauntlet, as it were, down to the more esoteric side of it, looking at, uh, you know, what energy does for us and how we can work with it to improve our lives and improve the lives of others. So I hope at the end of this uh, podcast that you at least have asked yourself the question, what is my energy like? Or any other question that will start to lead you down the path to becoming more familiar and uh, developing a relationship with your energetic body as it were. So I hope you're going to enjoy this uh, discussion today and uh, we'll dive right into it. Enjoy! David Zebian wrote, True pillar of subtle light, embrace humanity between dimensions. They are serene, conscious, washing the pain of all souls now obviously the, that statement is uh is a, a statement of faith i suppose in terms of the uh, metaphysical uh, but when we look at the body and how we work with energies and subtle light uh, in our bodies uh, you know, if we're talking about Reiki or whatever it may be, uh, acupuncture or so forth, um, there is that light, subtle light energy that we work with. Um, oftentimes, we the subtle energy we do uh, visualize that as light, um, and we do use that to uh, clear energy from our body and to uh, to wash it, wash away the pain of our. Uh, chakras as it were but if we back up a little bit and we look at uh, what energy actually is as it relates to our physical bodies uh, so we have now with the well i suppose the uh, quantum physics has been in process of developing since uh, uh, around the 50s 40s 50s uh, but now we are coming more and more into understanding what these uh, quantum physics actually means for our, uh, um, for our reality and the world around us. So if we look before quantum physics, the idea of an atom was that you had your neutrons and so forth. Uh, it was like a, a solid ma uh, matter that was uh, kind of... Uh, so, uh, circulating run, uh, around a core. Uh, now, all of those elements in that atom uh, contain quarks, and there's, uh, I think, six different types of quarks. But around these quarks exists a, a space of pure energy. So essentially, if we look at our bodies, uh, we believe that it's all physical matter, but it is actually 99% energy field. Um, so if you look at, for example, hydrogen in your body, um, that hydrogen has existed on this in this reality, as it were, since the Big Bang. Uh, 
So we are, you know, our bodies are recycled uh, through the ages. Uh, so it does start to make you think as to, okay, what, what do we actually consist of? What is this physical body? Because it's not something that is newly made when we become, um, when we become, uh, you know, physical uh, as we are, the uh, cells are splitting in the, uh, uh, in the womb of our mothers. Um, and so if you look at this space that is around these quarks, it's called Higgs field. And uh, it is uh, one of these things they are uh, researching down at, in Switzerland, in the CERN, in that huge, uh, uh, there's a huge uh, uh, centrifuge uh, where they fling these uh, atoms at a very, very high speed and they collide them. and. Uh, so very complex uh, theories around that. But when we apply it to us, we can look at, in terms of atoms, you know, we have 6.5 octillion atoms within ourselves. So if you look at the amount of uh, energy fields that we hold, there's quite a lot of them. So anyone that knows anything about electricity, for example, if you have an electrical cord that isn't, well, even if it's insulated, there is always uh, electricity that is um, radiating out from the cord as it's tra uh, traversing the, uh, uh, the cord, right? And that's the same thing that happens to us because one of the, the uh, uh, fundamental elements of the quark is that uh, it's electricity. So it has this electrical field around it that is called the uh, Higgs field. So, by the way, uh, octillion is uh, the 26, uh, 27 zeros. So there's quite a few of them. <laughs> now, when we go down to the looking more at the body, so we're looking at thoughts and emotions. Uh, are they physical? Are, what are they within our bodies? Uh, so when we're looking at uh, a negative thought or a negative or an emotion that is more towards the more, shall we call it, uh, painful scale, uh, sadness, shame, guilt, whatever it may be, we can feel that going through our body, but it's not an actual physicality. It, it's to me, it always feels like it's shifting the energy around it as it traverses, or as it moves up. Um, so, and the same thing with the thought, the thought lingers until we release it. So again, it's not a, a physical experience in that way. It's the consciousness uh, holding, holding space for that uh, thought and allowing it to exist until we release it and we quote unquote forget it right and then we we have the electricity in the brain obviously that can then hold on to the thought as a memory um, but if it's a fleeting thought we can uh, let it go and release it right so the reason i'm kind of taking this path is that i wanted to look at you know the implications of energy and the, um, the vibrations of our bodies in terms of our health and well-being. Um, so now, depending on how you look at it, uh, I like the kind of Vedic look at the different bodies. You have the, you know, your physical body, your mental body, your energetic body, your psychology, your spiritual body, or your soul body, uh, astral body, right? So, but if you're not, you don't have a belief system as it were, you're more f uh, focused on the physical, you can look at the physical, the mental, and the energetic, because uh, those we can measure, right? You can measure the physical body because it's right in front of you, or right here, right? Uh, the mental body, you can express what you're thinking, what you're feeling, so that is something we can express into the uh, physical. Now, your energetic body, we can also measure in different ways. So there are some uh, scientific tools that we can use to measure 
um, not measure necessarily the energy levels or the uh, energy levels that we radiate out from our bodies, but that they are there. Um, that we have identified that they're there and that they do affect our surroundings. Um, so now when we look at these three, uh, three bodies that we can measure, um, they also impact how we feel. How we, you know, so if we have poor energetic hygiene, for example, our energy can go down, it can go up. Um, and that energy can then affect our mental state or our mood, as it were. Um, and if we have prolonged deterioration of our uh, mental state or our mood, then that shows up in the physical body. So if you uh, experience stress for a prolonged period of time, you're going to see uh, problems with your hearts and your cardiovascular system, with your uh, uh, gastrointestinal system and so forth. Um, so what I'm wanting to do here is to just explore these different aspects on how these different uh, method, modalities of healing that we are using today, you know, with Reiki is probably the more famous one, but, you know, you have psychic surgeries and energy clearings and so forth, um, how they actually interact with our bodies. So the, oftentimes I see it as if you have that dissonance in your body, comparing it to kind of song that <laughs> someone that doesn't sing very well, it doesn't sound very well and it kind of hurts, right? And it's the same thing with the with the body. If your cells are not vibrating at the level where we are in uh, in uh, harmony with ourselves, then we are going to not feel the flow of life. We are going to start resisting. We're going to start feeling uh, the the pain or the suffering, as it were. Um, so. It is about changing the frequency of the energy to be the best version of ourselves. Uh, so now there's uh, uh, Hawkins, uh, I think that was in the 90s, the 80s, 90s. He came out with the, his book on where he measures frequency in terms of, uh, you know, based on your mood as you embody it. So shame and guilt is very low down and then you have enlightenment at the top, right? Um, and these all frequencies, vibrations within your body. There is research now that shows that it's not only our DNA that is uh, there to help build your body, but actually it's the energy vibration of your cells that also determine where they go and how they, what function they feel in the body. Uh, so the, the, there's some interesting uh, research where they've uh, mentioned this before, but they've uh, worked with flatworms. The uh, interesting thing with flatworms is that if you cut them in half, they just grow a new head and a, a new tail. Um, so it's kind of impossible to kill these things because you chop them up and they just grow new parts. Um, now, what they did there was they changed they cut this uh, flatworm up and uh, cut the head off and the uh, tail off and then they uh, manipulated the energetic uh, structure of the remain of the middle part which then allowed them to have the flatworm grow two tails or two heads so they 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 had, the dna was there to say that you should have one head uh, you should have a head and a tail but because they changed the molecular or the energetic level of the uh, cells, they were able to then uh, have the uh, the cells become other parts. Um, so this is very interesting. So if you can have that man level manipulation on an energetic level, what can we then accomplish with the, uh, our, our own healing in terms of our thoughts and our emotions, our feelings? and also, if we have that level of energy within us, 
if we have someone or something from the outside helping to manipulate the energetic level of our body, then what does that mean for our ability to heal ourselves, right? I think this is really captivating and that we are just starting to unpack the immense possibilities around our understanding of energy, but into, I will, I will say a spiritual sense, but I think it's very much scientific too. And science is coming big way to back up all these ideas that were transferred from the Eastern cultures, etc. So talking of energy, I think, as you mentioned at the beginning, that our energy body, which uh, the skeleton, the structure, the architecture of it, is based on our chakras. We know, we know kind of well that we have seven chakras. It's kind of like popular knowledge now, and it's easy to find um, information about. Uh, but we also have more than those seven chakras. We have those morphogenetic chakras, which means that they are not um, attached to the physical body, but they are part of our larger energetic body. And, um, and so since I've um, started getting interested into this and reading about it and, 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 and training myself in this, um, as you say, these um, emotions, uh, positive or negative, have, have potent impact on our energy body, which actually transfer into the density version, which is our physical body. And, and so when you, when you were talking about uh, guilt or shame or anger, um, you, you can learn from um, Eastern schools, etc. that in our physical body, such emotions go there, like the liver, um, that's where you will find recent or old anger, the anger emotion. Mm -hmm. And so we can go as um, with healers and um, healing practices, support uh, the person clear and, and heal um, uh, this, this emotions. So the interaction between emotions, thought and our physical body is really there. And, and we are just starting to unpack all this. Um, but I think something also very important um, is I think to feel more connected to, to hurt uh, the planet, which is our um, hosting uh, planet. And once we, try, when we, once we start to being aware and making the time and effort maybe I should say to go inside and take the time to connect with our energy body and try to uh, open our fields then um, then we can realize that we receive on every second microsecond and a tremendous amount of energy coming from coming from heart and coming from above and this what makes the difference is this capacity to open to it and to harness it and, and, and transfer this into, into reality. So, so I, I think it's incredibly, it's incredibly powerful. And I was reading about um, shamanic practices um, on the Native Nation, First Nations um, in North America. And for some, um, some kinship, some schools of thought on, on, on this shamanism practices and, and clans, then the ultimate test to become a shaman is to be able to emit light from your body in a dark place. So in a dark place, being able to master your energy field to such a way that you can emit light 
that is visible by others from your body um, is something that, um, that they do and practice um, into their mystery teaching, etc. So, um, so I don't know, I've never seen that. I, I, <laughs> but I think it's really interesting that um, you can go that far. Yeah, and it's, it's I've, I haven't heard that one either, actually, but a modern twist on that is there are, you know, how Yuri Geller, you have he, uh, been spoons and forks and all that stuff. Uh, there are also the those practices of lighting up light bulb just by holding it, right? And it's that, um, I suppose it goes back to, if you look at... Um, Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine, for example, they uh, being able to focus so much energy in one spot that you, you can traverse that into uh, power or something else. Uh, with this is uh, quite quite well known in uh, martial arts and so forth, where you you really collect all this energy into one spot to create that force. Um, so whether you do that with, you know, if you, if, if we now are, if we now consist of these, uh, 6.5 oscillion, uh, atoms and each of those atoms has so, uh, X number of, uh, quarks that exist, uh, have this energy field around them that is electricity, it kind of begs to ask the question, well, what can we do with that energy, right? Um, yeah. And this is not, you know, anything that is, you know, religious or uh, metaphysical. This is, this is actual fact, you know, we are electricity, we are 99% energy. Um, because in terms of matter, there is not much matter. And that, this is where uh, you, uh, when you look at these mystery schools and the uh, ancient practices, it is about uh, trans, uh, transforming or transmuting or changing energy because energy cannot be destroyed, as I explained before. You know, the hydrogen that we have in our bodies have existed since uh, the Big Bang. It's just been recycled into different forms of what else are we able to do with this energy? Yes, there are those that play around with, you know, bending metals and so forth by kind of tuning in their energy to the metal and so forth. And there are as many people trying to debunk the, as uh, fake and all of those, uh, as fakery as it were. Uh, but it, it does, once you start thinking about it and once you start playing around with it, because when I sit in meditation, for example, when I pay attention to emotions that are coming up to make me aware of them, they sit somewhere in my body. Like they are a physical sensation before I observe them and allow them to come up. So they are, they are a memory or they, the, the emotions are memory banks somewhere in my body. Now, how is that possible if you know, supposedly only the brain can hold memory. Uh, but the body also holds memory. Uh, and this is actually something they've done research on where when you, when you have something that is so deeply embedded within you as a conditioning or programming, uh, you know, it could be some sort of a fear, your brain doesn't even have to be engaged for you to be uh, reacting to that because your body has a, a, a cellular structural memory of uh, the event that you experienced. And when you have a similar event that triggers that, your brain doesn't even have to be engaged. Now, does this exist as a frequency, an energy within us? Or is it, for example, is it an area in the body that has changed its energetic structure to hold this particular emotion or memory and when we observe it because the one of the interesting things with uh, quantum physics and quarks for example once you observe it 
it cannot stay uh, stay the same. By observing it, it is changing because now you are observing it. And it's the same thing when I sit down and I, I observe areas where I might have uh, sensations in the body, they can't stay the same. They start changing, they start moving, they start uh, fluctuating in terms of uh, how they feel. And often, more often than not, they come up, they communicate something with me, whether it be colors, shapes, uh, textures, whatever it is. And then they want to escape out of the body. Because uh, emotions don't want to stay in your body. Like anger can only stay in your body uh, or you can physically only hold on to anger for 90 seconds. Beyond that, it's you and your thought process and your muscles and your energy, you holding on to it. Yeah, I was um, I was about to say, when you talk about energy and the emotions, etc., and the, they're changing, uh, there is also that question of frequencies mm -hmm. or vibration. And um, so everything has that frequency signature or or vibration signature and um, and then and then if you want to if you want to yield something then you, you need to go to the right um, place of frequency so for instance um, if you you know we feel the love is in our heart area our physical mm. heart area so i think that's a common uh, understanding though we, we can't really explain it and for instance uh if you have um a breaking heart after uh, at the end of a relationship or something um then the the, the healer sh um um has to, to, to go to, to the fourth field, which is the, the field of the heart, so to go and, and try to, to heal and, and transmute and etc. cetera. So, uh, and I think it's the same with, uh, you know, people that are great manifest, that are great at manifesting things in their lives. They, they do vibrate and, and old, a frequency of abundance and um, and wealth, etc. So, so I think that with the energy as a common understanding, then comes also the layer of understanding frequencies and and vibrations, and uh, and which actually translate into light and and colors, as you said. Um, and so, it's, and so there is so much we can, we can think about and the tremendous power that we actually have and but we don't, we don't always know how to use it. We, we have like a Ferrari that we try to drive as a bicycle and, <laughs> and it's a lot of turning and paradigm shifting to, to, to evolve and, 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 and get into that space and into the driving seat. Um, so, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. I like, I like that one. It's a Ferrari or bike that we try to drive like a Ferrari. Nice one. <laughs> Barbie, go ahead. Yeah, there's lots of, uh, I think we probably spent hours and hours already kind of sifting through a topic like this. Just, I think, for overall cohesiveness, there's the quote from Nikola Tesla about the energy vibration and frequency, which is what Malia is talking about. And you were talking about as well, which are the three clay stuffs of the universe. So if you take one of those three things together, it becomes like this perfect trifecta of where you have all that resonation. But there's something also that Vadim Zeeland talks about in reality transferring, which is the pendulum. And what happens in pendulum is that whole thing of uh, these energetic frequencies that pass through. And unfortunately fear is one of the strongest energetic frequencies that goes through masses. So you can have a huddled group of people that go from, you know, everything's fine to fear. And then everybody's in a completely different space. And so I think that, you know, fear is the antithesis of love and then love and fear. So those, those two things. So, I mean, when you're at a concert, you have the whole thing with the vibration. I mean, you're mm -hmm. you're into the concert because everybody's vibing together. I mean, some of these 
huge stadiums have 50 to 100,000 people and they're all com completely singing the same songs and they're enjoying that. So, I mean, if you think about, you know, in your youth, the opportunity where everybody's singing a, a queen song or, you know, we are the champion or whatever, it's like, there's a moment where you have that in a, you know, in a sports stadium or other things like that. But then there's also the losing energy and then there's the winning energy. And then there's the brawls that happen after the fact, before the fact. I mean, there's, there's all those things that are based on energy. But I think too, that when you were talking about this topic, kind of to really segue off into a really obscure place, which would be <laughs> of the consciousness. And, you know, there, I know you and I've referenced the movie click a few times about Adam Sandler in 2006, where he just wanted to, you know, delete and fast forward and, and pause the items that he didn't really want to be a part of. But then later in the movie, he realizes that all of it was necessary for him to enjoy it. And you can't just take the bad parts out that you feel like it. But then there's the other movie with Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet, which is the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind of where she has all of her memories of her boyfriend completely eliminated. And the rest of the movie he spends trying to be able to see whether or not he can get back into that space, because how dare you delete me out of your consciousness? But it is that whole thing about energy clearing. So, I mean, from that perspective, in energy clearings, you clear and transmute and you delete different things from your existence doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have the memory of them any longer, but it is a very fascinating concept because a lot of people's issues that they have now is because of energy clogs that they have from past experiences that no longer serve them in this, you know, in this modern era. So you've got tar or black soot or smoke or other kinds of yuck that's within your body and your energy fields. And so, you know, like professionals, like myself and you, Christopher, we come in and we basically come in with a dust buster and a, a broom and a vacuum cleaner and whatever else it is to swoosh and whirl and twist and bang and bibbity bobbity boo and bing. And then it's gone. And people are like, oh my God. And then this happened. And then, oh my God, and this happened. But what Malia was talking about is absolutely accurate is the fact that it has to be that you manifest from that highest frequency, but it's those pendulums that are the most difficult that you just have to stay away from. So a pendulum of you know, I mean, just recently got 600 people that are in the hall of a, you know, an aircraft carrier and the energy and something like that, a picture doesn't capture what the energy would have felt like inside of a situation like that. So when you're in these different spaces, that's also where you can step into being the calm, you know, being that change that you wish to see in the world that Gandhi used to talk about in that moment, it would be an opportunity for you to be able to either meditate put out good vibrations, et cetera, and not allow yourself to succumb to the negative pendulum of fear that does spread like a cancer mm -hmm. throughout a room or other things like that. So the energy frequency of your own choosing is always your choice, but it's difficult because most people don't really think that they are capable of choosing their emotions. They think that for the most part, they're at the mercy of them. Well, your emotions, you can't, choose but you can choose your thoughts that perpetuate the emotion so if the emotion comes up you, uh, and that that's where i uh, you and i have had discussions like this before but uh, in my experience you if you if you try to then choose the emotion then you actually uh, don't acknowledge it and you you push it away so it's the thought that perpetuates the emotion the emotion just wants to escape it's energy and energy wants to transmute if it doesn't belong if it doesn't if you if you start working at a different frequency in your um, or embody a different frequency in your body different vibration different energy all those stale energies that uh, fear and shame and so forth aren't going to want to stay in the body anymore because they are not they're, they're not resonating with the new embodiment that you have so if they come up it's uh, it's allowing them to exist but if you then start a thought process of um, that perpetuates the fear and so forth now you're changing your embodiment again and you're actually lowering your vibration which allows the emotion to stay um, and this is how I've seen it work with myself in a way. So uh, don't take this as medical uh, recommendations or anything like this. It's uh, the way I've worked with myself. 
So it's the, I think most people are just not aware of the fact that we hold the this subtle energy. Um, and there's some very interesting research projects going on right now. And one is the uh, Princeton University's uh, consciousness project. Um, so what Barbie was talking about, correct me if I'm wrong, Barbie, but it's relating to the collective consciousness. And what they're doing with the, the Princeton project is that they have these random number generators positioned all, all, all around the world. And they just keep generating numbers and they uh, there will be um, predictable, uh, you know, in terms of the statistical spread that they, they are going to, I think it's, they generate ones and zeros or something like that. So it's very binary in that respect. Um, but what they can see is before there are big events, whether it be New Year's Eve or you know tragic events like uh, earthquakes or uh, stuff like this, they can see um, very distinct and significant deviations from the statistical probability. So you'll see a whole heap of ones instead of zeros uh, a couple of hours or even the day before these big events. So they can see on New Year's Eve is one of these things that obviously come, come around every year. And they can see, they can follow the uh, New Year's Eve celebrations time zone by time zone on these uh, different, on these uh, uh, sensors as that's when people really come together and are celebrating, right? So they, we are affecting with our collective consciousness, we are affecting these random number generators in a significant way. So, and so the, there is, you know, that we do exude, we do put out that energy to others. And for anybody who's energy sensitive, they will know that you walk into a room and if there's been an argument, you'll know that because you walk in and you're like, oh, I don't like it in here. You want to walk out. And it's, so that then applies to the co uh, collective consciousness as well. Now, from my thinking, if we can collectively have that effect on things, what effect do I have in the collective? What I was going to say in regards to the fact that I don't think it's spiritual bypass. If you're in the middle of a huddled mass of people who are all going into terror, you acknowledge the fact that from yourself, the only reason why there becomes a pendulum of the wildfire of fear spreading is because of the fact that we have attached that fear to the next person, to the next person. So it mm -hmm. almost becomes like a chain link fence that becomes connected. Yeah. But what I think is the more higher version or the higher energy version is to acknowledge, okay, I'm in the middle of this incredibly dangerous situation or something else with all these other people that are starting to panic or they're having other situations. And I mean, I've had multiple experiences personally in my life. I've, mm -hmm. I've saved people's lives. I have done CPR on strangers in public. I've called emergency services. For some reason, that's a skill that I have when an emergency happens, someone has a grand, some, I've had someone have a grand mal seizure in my lap for two and a half hours while the paramedics were called. It's that clarity of completely in the zone. I don't know if it's because I'm the daughter of a firefighter, but it's just completely <laughs> in the zone when I'm in people who are in that kind of actual distress of where they're about to die. And I've had maybe five or six experiences of helping people throughout my life, I get into a complete zone of where anything that I'm feeling, I just allow myself to detach from that. And my laser focuses on how can I assist this human being in front of me to make it. And I mean, I'm, I called later on to find out at UCLA Medical Center, did this person make it? Yes, they're fine, et cetera, et cetera. So I mean, you know, all of these things ended up having happy endings, even though I was a stranger and they never knew who I was and they never contacted me, which was fine. But it's still, it's, it's okay, I'm acknowledging that I, there's all this fear around me, which then hits the adrenal system, the endocrine system. You've got all these different things that are now on hyper alert. Your whole entire body, the amygdala goes into the fight or flight. And there's actually a smell. There's a chemical smell that is emitted from that, which are the pheromones of frightened animals and people. Mm -hmm. But from that perspective, then, as what you're talking about with the David Hawkins Power Versus Force 1994 book with the scale, you can then from there detach yourself and say, okay, I acknowledge everybody here is in fear, 
but I'm going to detach from that and ask from within myself, is that my fear? And I'm, am I going to participate from that? And then I'm choosing my emotion or my frequency from that perspective. So when I say emotion, I'm not choosing, I acknowledge that everybody else is afraid and it would be mm -hmm. very, very easy for me to be able to succumb to being afraid too. But Absolutely. instead in this moment, what am I choosing? So there's been multiple emergencies that have happened around the world of where I've had that exact experience. And so I literally call in my guides. I sing a specific tone. And then from there, it's next for negativity is around me. And then I can bring in this high vibration to the situation. So that's a conscious decision to make, but it's still, I think it's very easy because that the fear does spread like wildfire, like bad gossip. It's just one of those things that people seem to like, they pick up on it as if it's just tinder out of control. So what you're talking about is more the emotions that come from the outside. So you have the collective consciousness is vibrating at a certain emotion and that energy then comes to you and you can decide either to take it on or to, uh, to not uh, take it on. Correct. So if you're like, for example, in an active shooter, uh, an active shooter simulation, which every business now has to do in the United States. I mean, that's, I've done active shooter uh, simulations probably for the last 10 years. So, you know, you have to have a triage place. You have to figure out where everybody's going to meet. Where is the morgue going to be? Where are these people going to do? I mean, there's all these different things that people will come up with this idea. But the whole entire thing is that cooler heads will prevail. And, you know, there's going to be certain people in an emergency that are just going to be screaming and yelling and they're going to be out of control. And then there will be those people who have that focus. And a lot of times people don't know who will be in that energy state until they're in that situation. So sometimes it's actually good to be tested in that sense. And I think that's why people do simulations. Whereas other people look at active shooter situations and simulations and say, what's happened to our world? Why are we doing this? Whereas the story of the guy with 9-11, I mean, the guy who was like, they used to call him this horrible person because he used to do these fire drills with everybody and he'd make everyone take their shoes off and they had to walk down. And he did it every six months and they couldn't stand this man. And they were like, this guy is a jerk. Why does he keep doing this every single time? And that guy ended up dying a hero's journey because, or a hero's death because he went into the second tower before it collapsed. And he ended up perishing in there. And he had ushered, I think, something like 3,000 people out the door because he was like, nope, we're doing our fire drill every six months because that's what we have to do by the law. And he saved thousands of people's lives and didn't save his own. So I look at someone like that and I go, wow. That guy mm -hmm. must have had a really beautiful karmic path to the fact that everybody couldn't stand him for the things that they were asked. He was asking them to do out of obligation, but by the same token, it ended up saving all these different people's lives and he didn't even get to live. So it was, it's like, those are the things where you kind of look at that back and go, wow, but it was what saved them. Mm -hmm. That's the uh, lowest level preparedness that I talk about. It's not the uh, best that come out in people when they're, crisis it's the lowest level of preparedness uh, and that's why it's so important that we on a continuous basis we we take care of our energy we take care of uh, our mental bodies physical bodies energetic bodies and so forth so that we when we are in a situation like that that we can observe ourselves having the experience and not uh, descend into the emotion that uh, occurs or comes up right um, so, but what I'm more talking about is the, the prevailing, uh, collective consciousness, the energy and the collective consciousness on the ongoing basis, because that can certainly affect us as, as well. Uh, so if there is a, if we have a big event in the world and the collective consciousness goes down, if you're energy sensitive, they can certainly affect you. Uh, you don't even need to be near it. Uh, so, for example, what's happening in Afghanistan at the moment, um, there's a lot of us that can that feel into that. Uh, but as you say, Barbie, it's there we certainly have a, a choice because that, and that is then emotional energy that comes from the outside and comes in to uh, kind of uh, create dissonance in our, in, in our bodies. And then we have a choice whether to go in and say, well, hang on a second, this doesn't belong to me. Is this actually how I feel? 
And then oftentimes for myself and way when I do that, then it dissipates and then I can return my frequency to where it was before. Um, but I think if people were more aware of their on their of their uh, experiences on a moment to moment basis, and when I talk, ex I mean, uh, say experiences, I mean uh, energy, uh, whether that being your thoughts or your uh, you know, your emotions or your sensations, where you hear, where you see, where you taste, where you smell, all of those sensory inputs that come in, if you have a, a, con a continuous baseline at any given time, you will immediately know when there's something that changes. And you can immediately go in without judgment to say, where does this come from? Does this belong to me? If it doesn't, I can release it. If it belongs to me, then I can observe it coming up and I give it space. I not acknowledge it, but it's that energy and it floats through your body. It's, it's very interesting once you start looking at it and start experiencing it uh, and giving yourself permission to experience it. Uh, because oftentimes with people are very focused on the external and looking at what goes on around them. And that's the only thing that matters to them. Whereas they are then just filling themselves with all this unnecessary energy that they they don't need, right? Um, so it it uh, it is that continuous, uh, not struggle, but it's a continuous uh, work to find that balance. Farida, go ahead. Yes. Um, so I have someone who sucks all of the energy out of me, and um, when I talk to that person. Um, I find that I have no energy left when I'm finished. So what I have done in, in the moment, in the last two weeks, I have avoided the person and my energy is so high now and so wonderful and, and my life is better without that person in my life. How do I have that person in my life and still have my energy? I don't know if this is something you can help me with. Well, I'm uh, sure we can help with that if uh, not me, someone else. But uh, no, it's uh, boundaries, for sure. Uh, once you become aware of your energy and you are observing your... Ex I'm just speaking from my own experience here. Uh, so this is my truth. Uh, so once you observe your own experiences from your point of awareness, uh, then you start trusting yourself at a moment-to-moment -moment, uh, basis, as it were, uh, which means that when you show up in those situations, you are going to know that your boundary is always going to be intact because you you have that moment-to-moment -moment relationship with yourself, uh, which is going to completely shut that person out in terms of uh, their energy. So oftentimes when someone's siphoning off energy from us, it is because we allow them to trigger something within us. Um, and for those of you who've been on here before, we'll know that, you know, don't waste a good trigger. The trigger is there for you to learn something about yourself, right? So that way you can then see, okay, what's essentially, what are the doors this person is opening to be able to let my energy out, right? And it's using those triggers as clues towards that that end, as it were. I have a couple of people that I would say are hardcore energy vampires, what you're talking about, Farida. And so one of the things last year that an amazing healer told me was that before you have a conversation with that particular person, you your own source of light. So you connect to your own source of light above and below, and then you expand your energy out. And you allow yourself to be sourced by whomever your spirit guides are, whomever, you know, whatever your religious background is, or if you have no religious background, it's just you source to whatever energy source is right for you. But then you also allow that other person to be connected up to the light and connected down below and then around and they source themselves to something else. So what that does is that by you connecting upwards and then asking the other person to connect upwards, you're not allowing them to correct to connect sideways because what happens with energy vampires is they actually will suck that energy generally out of your solar plexus and so it comes from side to side but that's because you don't have any energetic boundaries that don't allow you know it allows you to be able to have that energy sucked out of you or else as christopher is saying 
whatever that person does triggers you to the point of where they know how to play you like a, you know, Stradivarius violin, or they know exactly which buttons to press so that they can get exactly what they want. Because a lot of times it's family members or people who have been in your vicinity and they know you really, really well and which things will trigger you, et cetera. So if you source yourself and then have them source themselves, and then basically after you're done with the interaction with that person, you clear and cut any cords or, or connections from that person out of your energy field. You just ask for that to be so. And then from there, I think you'll find that you won't have that aware that they're, they're pulling side to side because if they're sourced up and down and you're sourced up and down, the only responsibility you have is for you to be able to be connected to your own universal source of energy. And because of that, that other person will not be able to then get into your energy if you then ask for them to be sourced from whomever they're sourced from. Yeah, and often, Thank often, you. oftentimes I, when, when I come across people like that, it's oftentimes it's quite easy to go into a bit of blame game and go get angry with that person because they are doing this to you, right? Um, so it's, I often try to then go in, okay, clearly this person has experienced something, so I try to show compassion and I accept that they're showing up to teach me something, which is probably boundaries um, oftentimes, and teach me uh, or to uh, help me show where these triggers might lead me in terms of what's the originating point of these triggers um, and forgive them for it. Because oftentimes energy vampires have no clue they're doing it. Um, it's not, most of the time, not a conscious uh, process that they are engaging in. And just see what, you know, instead of feeling like a victim, see what are, what are the benefits you, you gain from that type of an experience, right? Well, those are great tools for me to move forward with. Thank you. <laughs> oh, pleasure, pleasure. So, yeah, what, uh, what Farida is uh, pointing out there, you know, is that you can manipulate energy, you can perceive energy, you can send out energy, you can attract, you can detract and take and give. So if you take, for example, a kitchen appliance, right? It receives electricity from the power station that has been generated, uh, i.e. transmuted. So it's taken, uh, you know, water, uh, the power of the water falling down uh, to create a gen, uh, spinner generator that then creates that electricity. It's create, taking that power and, and transmuting or transforming it. And then that goes into your stove, for example. And then you use that energy then to create heat. And that heat then helps you boil the water, right? So it's, it's about moving and transforming and shifting and uh, transmuting and manipulating that energy to work towards uh, the, the, the goals that you have, right? So if it's healing or if it's uh, to manifest something, whatever it is, and it's seeing what that energy is. So for example, in manifestation, that uh, the energy that's going to drive that is your emotions. So what, how will I feel when I, when I get that, when I manifest that, which I'm desiring? So how am I going to feel when I do that? And that's attracting those uh, situations, right? Yes, thank you. Um, um, regarding what uh, Farida shared uh, with us, um, I was thinking too that uh, yeah, you feel that sometimes when you talk to people, but also some people kind of like hook you. So that means that when, even when you're not in their physical presence, they are somewhere in, you, in your mind and they, they, so the top of them upsets you or might, um, you know, limit you in what you believe or what you do, etc. And um, I, I have that a lot. Like I, 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 I would do something and then I think randomly of some, and it's not so random. And then I would say, oh my God, what would they think? Or, you know, just the, the thought of that person will prevent me or be a block to, that I have to work with to go forward. And um, that was until I, I started really working into that energy body perspective. 
And, um, and then you realize that you might be holding hooks from people you've met years ago. Or, and so it's a sort of like, um, uh, um, I, I would say energy hygiene to, um, to really clear that channel and really ask requests from yourself, your higher self, to help you collapse any hooks you may have. And, and one, of, one of the very powerful ways to do that also is, is, to, is through forgiveness. Forgiving yourself for doing things you are not proud of or others that did things to you. So in the, uh, going back to energy and frequency, uh, forgiveness is, is one power, powerful tool. So I don't know, fair, uh, I don't know, fair, Farida, if you have an idea of why this person is, um, is um, sucking your, your energy. Uh, if you have some back history with that person or, you know, sometimes, uh, I don't know, it's not clear, but you can totally reclaim your energy and ask yourself, your higher self to help you collapse all the, the hooks and, and, and forgive whatever you have to, to forgive and um, yeah. Well, I think you segue yeah. nicely into a, uh, uh, to energetic hygiene, um, which will be uh, we kind of look at. So when we look at the different bodies, we have our physical hygiene, which is, you know, you take a bath, you go shower, you wash your hands, what have you. You have your mental hygiene of uh, being mindful of what you're thinking. So it's a mindfulness, right? Then we have the energetic hygiene as well, which is uh, what uh, Malie is talking about is, you know, removing these cords or connections that we have with others that might be there uh, kind of not necessarily so, uh, being beneficial for ourselves. Uh, so oftentimes we use visualizations uh, in these processes to uh, clear our energy and to clear our, our energy, energy centers. Meli was talking about the chakras before. In Chinese medicine, you have the, uh, uh, the three areas, the uh, head, the chest, the uh, stomach. Um, so they're using these different visualizations with light, we can go in and we can uh, harmonize our energetic bodies uh, and to discover where we might have energetic blockages because energy likes to flow. And I said, like I said before, emotions don't want to stay in your body. Uh, they want to escape out. It's like electricity. You need a battery to contain electricity, right? He wants to discharge. He wants to go somewhere else. He wants to transmute. Um, so in terms of emotions, uh, we become the batteries that hold the emotion, that emotional energy in. So we want to make sure that it is a uh, high uh, vibrating or high frequency uh, energy that we hold uh, for that process so that we can embody higher and higher uh, frequency energies within ourselves so uh, so we can feel that flow we can feel that uh, kind of blissfulness uh, or just feel good uh, in our bodies right but uh, being able to have a practice of uh, energetic hygiene on a daily basis is equally as important as you know taking a shower or you know uh, being mindful uh, at any given time so there are a number of different ways of doing this, but uh, yes, uh, for example, the visualization with the light, uh, having lights come down through your energy systems, or like Barbie was mentioning before with the uh, bringing through light and the grounding yourself and uh, kind of allowing people around you to do the same thing, uh, that will then allow you to be in much more harmony with your own energetic self and that then allows you to show up as the best version of yourself in the collective consciousness. Because like I said before, 
it takes a collective to or it takes a lot of one people to create a collective so i have responsibility when i show up in in the collective as it were which is basically now uh, is to be the best version i can be at any given time and to show up and be a role model for others possibly uh, so that they can become the best version of themselves to then feed into the collective consciousness. Because as well as we can feel the collective consciousness, we are part of creating it. So we take your personal responsibility to keep your energy clear and to keep feeding the best energy that you can into the uh, collective consciousness will then help to solve a lot of challenges uh, that we face today in the world, I feel anyway. No, I was just saying um, that basically I think it was all there in my mind, but um, you guys kind of brought it to the fore and um, made it a reality for me. So I will definitely, and I realized that when my energy is up, um, everything is right in the world because, um, you know, I'm singing, I'm cooking and singing and, you know, even singing, I'm putting color, you know, like um, color in my food, <laughs> you know, things like that. So um, like last night I did a video and I said, you know, you bring color to my life and I was baking and so on. And I wasn't only talking about the food. I was talking about everyone in my life. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I all of this resonates with me and I appreciate it. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. I just want to say that really from the um, conversation we've had, I think that this is a lot of times also where people, they either they want connection or they issue connection and I think that it's this whole thing of where if we're like our own self-contained membrane we're our own contained kind of battery unit you know I mean like for example when people have children you know it's like that child is kind of a a form of their love out there in the world you know it's like it's a it's that love manifest in the human body that is outside of it but by the same token for a parent, that child is still something separate from them, even though it might look almost exactly like them or behave like them and things like that. And I think for a lot of people, it's the deep sense of connection that people are craving to want to connect to, but they also don't want to give up their autonomy. So I think that's the best part is that in a, in a utopian society, the way I would look at it is that we are all individuals within a collective unconscious that have the ability to be able to all vacillate at a different frequency. But I think that what happens in our society is that the, these emotions, they run through so fast because of all the little news snippets and the adrenaline and cortisol activations with, you know, mm -hmm. like so news feeds and things like that. So everybody almost like goes down to the lowest common denominator of like, oh my God, scorched earth, you know, hair on fire. Oh my God, we're all going to die. So everybody kind of goes to that. But then it's the regroup of like, you know, like Ferida, you were talking about you're in Barbados. It's like you're in a beautiful space. You have gorgeous views. It's like, okay, yes, I'm here. This is where I am. I have all these lovely people in my life. I can sing to them. I can cook for them. I'm doing all these beautiful things. And so, but I think too, in the sense of where I think the, the spiritually activated human is the spiritually activated human that can connect, can stay within their own energy field when they need to. They can open their energy fields to be able to allow other people to come into that energy field, whether that's in, you know, whatever configuration that is. But then once that is done, they also can go back to their autonomy of their own battery cell. And I think for a lot of people, it's the losing of that that is the scariest part of why a lot of people don't connect because they feel like somehow they're going to have to give up their autonomy because their battery cell will be taken over by a lot of these like low level emotions. So just something that kind of popped up in my mind. And so it's like, I think the the caveat is to, you know, how do you allow yourself to stay autonomous while also being part of a collective unconscious and be individuated while you're still part of a group? So it's well, the, that's it's, the conundrum. It's developing those boundaries and that you trust those boundaries explicitly because, you know, boundaries are not uh, fixed or firm. They fluctuate uh, just like your energy, right? So, if you trust those boundaries to be there for you when you need them, then you, you don't need to have embody that concern or fear that you are going to give up your autonomy because those boundaries are always there. It's like the, the outer shell of the battery is always there. 
to help you contain uh, your energy and keep it pure uh, for the purpose that you need it for, right? And that's, uh, we did do a talk on boundaries uh, earlier in this spring, I think. So I think that has been released. Um, If not, I'll have a look and see if we can release that soon as well. (laughs) Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you everybody for showing up today. Appreciate it. And uh, always, you know, we all bring our energy into this group and we share the energy and the, that shows up in the, uh, in the recording. So uh, thank you all for bringing your best energy and uh, contributing towards that. So uh, thank you very much. I wish you all a wonderful day. If you're towards the end of your day and uh, enjoy evening uh, early on the day, then enjoy your whole day. So what questions have you come away with uh, after this discussion to help awaken uh, yourself to your energetic body? Anyone who works with me will know that I'm always talking about with them uh, to know their energetic or their uh, body's different uh, baselines so that when something new comes into the sphere that they will automatically be able to observe it and bring it into their uh, experience and know what it is it might not be something that belongs to them and they can disregard it and that way they can keep their energy more clean so it becomes this practice of energetic hygiene and also to build up their own trust and patience and so forth that will then form part of their energetic uh, boundaries if you're interested to learn more about uh, the work we do in the alchemy experience coaching workshops uh, the courses we run and so forth uh, then please visit us at thealchemyexperience.co.uk and you can click on a link there for to uh, get a 30 minute free consultation with us to uh, find out if this resonates with you and if it's something that you want to explore further. For now, I wish you all the best and uh, hope to see you next podcast released every Friday at 11.11am 11, 11 British time. I'll see you then. Take care.